Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. We're so full of envy that we forget, hear me, 99% of the world envies us. You stop and think about that for a minute. Now, I know there's a lot of political implications of the caravan and all the people that are migrating uh, to the border, and I know maybe not all of them have have genuine uh, reasons they're coming. But let me tell you something. Out of those thousands of people that are coming, some of them are just downright envious of us, and they want to have what we have. And I don't fault them for that. We're in the top 1%. We can't focus, though, on our perceived lack and celebrate our abundance and blessings at the same time. See, we should all be so overwhelmed with gratitude that we are in the top 1% to 2% of the materially blessed people in the world, that we should have a total attitude shift today. Now hear me. If you can leave here today, and I haven't even gotten to my sermon yet, if you can leave here today grasping this truth, then my job was successful today. You need to go home and realize I'm in the top 1%. What am I complaining about? And if you're not in the top 1%, I can assure you you're in the top 3%. Because if you're breathing and eating, if you just get a welfare check, you're in the top 3% of the world. Now, let me get back to the pilgrims. During that first long winter at Plymouth Colony, seven times as many graves were made for the dead as homes were built for the living. The ship that was supposed to bring food and relief supplies that winter brought 35 more mouths to feed instead, but it did not bring one ounce of provisions. That, that first winter. The pilgrims didn't have hardly anything, but they possessed a great attitude, and it was upon them and their, their, their spirit and their attitude that this country was built. Now, during the harsh winter of 1621, there were days that they had so little to eat that the only rations that they would get per person per day was five kernels of corn. Not five cans of corn. Five kernels of corn. I want you to think about that for a moment. This can of corn would have fed about 25 people for an entire day. That's how bad it was. I'm going to put this right here. Five kernels. Those who survived that brutal winter of 1621 made it, and they made it until spring. They began to see their crops grow. They began to harvest food. They began to have enough food to sustain them. But they never forgot the hard times of the five kernels a day. And after that, they began a custom at Thanksgiving of putting five kernels of corn on each plate before they feasted in order to remind them of their blessings. I told my wife, I'm going to do that this this Thursday. Many people today observe the tradition of Thanksgiving and they're going to go around the room and tell things that they're thankful for before they begin their meal. Folks, I want to remind you on this Thanksgiving week, we have so many reasons to be thankful today. We do. We have so many reasons to be thankful today. We need to count our blessings this week. 
And if you live in Florida, you need to recount your blessings this week. A little political joke. You might catch it. So I want to preach on this subject today. Five kernels. Five kernels. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 103, verse 1, and go to verse 5. I'm sorry, it's chapter 103, verse 1. By the way, you don't want to cut out today unless you absolutely have to. We're going to be receiving communion at the end of our service today. Psalm chapter 103, reading verses 1 through 5 today from the NIV, it says this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? So using Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5 as a basis, I want us to look at five things. Now, there's so many more that we could talk about, but five things from this passage that we can praise God about and be thankful for this Thanksgiving. Amen. Are you ready? First of all, we can be thankful for the kernel of forgiveness. Look at Psalm 103, verse 3. Who forgives all your sins. Hallelujah. First of all, I am thankful that He forgives all my sin. You know, the word forgive is one of the most beautiful words in any language. It includes the concept of faith and hope and love. It, when you talk about forgiveness, it carries with it great promises. The penalty of sin is canceled in our life. Guilt is removed. Broken relationships can be restored because of forgiveness. Forgiveness brings with it the restoration of hope. It gives life to love that comes to that becomes reconciliation because of forgiveness. No one has escaped the snare of sin, and only by God's act of divine forgiveness can we be cleansed and restored to a state of innocence and purity with the Lord. See, the Bible says that we are all we were all still sinners while we were still sinners. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. It opened the door of forgiveness and reconciliation to God for us. And I am glad to report to you that His love still draws us to an altar of repentance so that He can forgive us. Hallelujah. He has promised to turn our sins to white as snow. By the cross, God's mercy conquered our sinfulness and our guilt. See, it was because of Calvary that I'm forgiven. And without forgiveness, all of us would be trapped. We'd be trapped in our own guilt and our own misery. Romans chapter 7, verse 24 says this, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I can answer that question for you. Jesus is the one who can free us from a life that is dominated by sin and death. Yes, he can. You see, our nature is to rebel against God. And as long as we don't repent and we don't find the liberating power of the cross, we will walk that path of rebellion. Only by coming to God can a person erase the past trail of their sins. It's the only way. No amount of drugs can, 
can take it away. No amount of alcohol can wash it away. The stain of sin on our soul, no amount of counseling, although counseling is good, no amount of counseling can settle you like the cross of Jesus Christ can. See, the solution to the problems that plague mankind, it's not a better environment, not a better government, but it's a better inner nature. It's a better us that begins by being changed by forgiveness. More possessions of the world will not satisfy the insatiable desires of our sinful nature. No vacation will bring a calm that will last to the storms in our soul. There's no place of peace in this world like the peace that comes with forgiveness. You see, our hope is not in the repeated failures of our own efforts, but it's in the provision of forgiveness that is obtained by the sacrificial gift of the Lamb of God. See, in order for us to gain the forgiveness offered by God, all we got to do is simply repent and believe the message of the cross and repent of our sins. And the Bible says that God will forgive us and He will revoke the penalty of our sin. Hallelujah. The forgiveness that comes from God is a promise that comes from our Heavenly Father. And I think right now we ought to just stop and just a moment, let's thank Him for His forgiveness. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. I'm so grateful, God, that you forgave me of my sins. I'm so grateful. The second of the five kernels that I want to mention also comes from Psalm 103 and verse 3, and that's the kernel of healing. Notice the Scripture said He forgives all of our sins and heals all your diseases. Even though God doesn't heal everyone that has an incurable disease, I believe the Holy Spirit can help us to see a couple important truths about healing. First of all, I want you to understand all healing is divine healing. All healing is divine healing. All recovery from sickness or injury, even recovering from a surgery, is a result of the healing properties that God has put into our bodies. And we ought to thank God for that. Amen? Hear me. It's important that we understand this. Medicine and surgery and therapy, they're just extensions of God's healing ministry. They are. All healing comes from God. Let me prove it to you. If you break an appliance, you have to replace it. Or you have to at least repair what was broken in that appliance before it will work. An appliance will not heal itself. No man-made creation can heal itself. can't fix itself. But God put within us healing properties in us that allow us to heal. Therefore, healing is divine. Restoration is divine. We, a lot of times we think, well, you know, if I don't get healed instantly, I didn't get healed. No, 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 no. Healing is a, sometimes it's a process, and we ought to thank God for that gift of healing. Amen? Also, this verse doesn't say that God heals everyone's diseases, but it says He heals all diseases. Amen? See, there's no disease or sickness that lies beyond God's healing power. I've seen Him do miraculous things. He is the great physician, and anything is possible with Him. But I want to remind you, the greatest healing is not the healing of the body. Because our bodies are just a temporary vessel that we're eventually going to lose. Our bodies are just a temporary house that we're eventually going to, going to evacuate unless the Lord comes first. The greatest healing is not a healing of sickness, but it is the healing of the soul. Amen. Amen. For this we can be thankful. The psalmist is speaking to his soul and he said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, 
who heals all your diseases. The diseases of the soul emanate from the virus of sin. Jesus identified the virus and its symptoms in Matthew 15, uh, 18 through 19. Notice what he said. He said, but the things that come out of a person, come out of the mouth, out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile him. That's a different NIV. Let me read it from the screen. For out of the heart comes evil. Go ahead. Yeah. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. But notice what it said. It all comes from the heart. The heart. Just as surely as some disorders of the body can be cured by medicine and surgery. Hear me, the soul of man can only be cleansed and purged and purified with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. King David once said this. He said, you know my uprising. You know my down city. You know all that there is about me. I can't think a thought in my mind, oh Lord, but altogether you know it. See, God knows what we think. He knows what's going on internally. He knows the discouragement that you might be feeling. He knows the needs that you have. He is the healer of our souls. Our depression, our anxieties, our emotional discontent, our worries, our dreads, our fears. Thank God for his healing. Thank God for his healing. And speaking of the healing of the soul, the next kernel is something we can be thankful for. It is the kernel of redemption. Look at Psalm chapter 103, verse 4. It said, who redeems your life from the pit. Can all the former pit dwellers say thank God? Hallelujah. The London Times publishes the price paid for well-known art objects in all the great art sales, uh, sales rooms of the world. If a painting is sold in New York or in Paris or in Rome or in London, the London Times gives the full details of the sale. Now, you can judge the value of a painting by the price that is paid for. I sell real estate, and people will ask me, how can you determine the value of a home? And really, it's really simple. It's determined by the market, which simply means it's determined by what people are willing to to pay for piece of art is worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. piece of real estate is worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. and with that in mind you know what we can judge the value of our eternal soul by what somebody was willing to pay for you can judge the value of your eternal soul by the price that someone was willing to pay for it the Bible tells us that Jesus gave his life to redeem us. The depths into which he had to reach in order to redeem us. There is no greater love than that which drives a man to lay down his life for someone else. Thank God for his redemption. There's a story that's told of Governor Pat Neff of Texas. He was the governor in Texas from 1921 to 1925. And he would occasionally speak to groups of convicts in the penitentiaries of, of that state. He would, they would assemble together, and he would come and talk to them. He usually would finish by saying that he would remain and listen if any man wanted to talk to him personally. When the meeting was over, a large group of men remained, and this always would happen. Most of them were lifers. One by one, they would come and tell the governor, I was there, I'm here because of a frame-up or an injustice or there was some judicial blunder or I'm innocent and I was put here for a reason. Each man would claim to be innocent. Each man would claim would ask to be free. 
story goes that finally one man came up and said, Governor, I just want to tell you that I'm guilty. I did what they sent me here for. But I want to tell you something else. I believe I've paid for it. And I've repented. And if I were freed, I would do everything that I could to be a good citizen and prove myself worthy of your mercy. You know what happened? The governor pardoned that man. Afterwards, they came and they asked him, why did you pardon him, but you didn't pardon anybody else? And he said simply because he admitted his guilt. He admitted his guilt. Redemption is a great gift that Christ offers to every one of us. But hear me. In order to be redeemed from the awful sentence that we are under as sinners, we got to first admit our sin. And we've got to acknowledge our need for mercy. Can I just tell you, it's not enough that Jesus died on the cross. We've got to admit our sins and accept that gift of reconciliation into our lives. We've got to act on that gift that he gave us. In order to re be redeemed, we've got to acknowledge who we are. Well, see, you, you don't earn it. We can't, we can't undo our sin. Only Jesus can redeem us. There's an old hymn that says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Hallelujah. See, he not only redeems us, I'm really happy to tell you, he not only redeems us from an eternity in hell, he also redeems us from hell on earth. By setting us free from the clutches of the devil. I'm just going to stop and tell you for a minute. I'm thankful that being a Christian has set me free from some of the hell and chaos that a lot of other people got to live through. You ought to thank God, amen? Hallelujah. You are a child of God. I want to tell somebody here today, you need to rebuke the hell that is in your life. Because God did not plan for you to live that way, amen? Satan is not just bent on damning our souls for eternity, but he also wants to destroy your life and make you miserable by while you're alive. But guess what? God redeemed me from all that. I want to tell somebody, you don't have to live in the mess that you're living in. Thanks be to God who redeems us and redeems our lives from his power. Look at the penitentiaries. Look at the asylums. Look at the addiction recovery centers. Look at the halfway houses. They are filled with people whose lives are being destroyed by the enemy. They are living in hell. The first, verse 4 said, He redeemed your life from the pit. I just need to tell somebody, you need to get out of the pit. He redeemed you. Get out of the pit. Come on, he redeemed you. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find. I am glad that I found the narrow road. I am glad that Jesus met me on that road. And guess what? He found you. And he found you on that road that leads to life. So stay off the broad road that leads to the pit. You're redeemed. The psalmist said in Psalm 40, verse 2 through 3. It says, He also brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock. And he established my steps. Matter of fact, you know what? I want you to read that verse with me. Some of us need to declare this in our lives. 
I really feel this right now. Some of us need to make a declaration of faith that that is what God did for us and that's how we're going to live. Amen? I want you to read it with me. He brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. Verse 3, he has put a new song in my mouth. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost leading me down this road right now. Come on. Somebody needs to start singing a new song. It's already in your mouth. You need to proclaim it. Come on. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. Somebody give him a praise right now. Come on, I need some saints of God to praise God with me right now. Some of you living in the pit, God doesn't want you in the pit. Some of you still living in the mire, God doesn't want you living in the mire. He redeemed you from that. And you can be thankful. You can be thankful. There is no force in this world that is stronger than the love of God to take a man, to take a woman, to take a broken life and to be able to transform that individual into some, something new. Michael English sings a song, and, and it, I don't know what the title is, but the line says it feels like redemption. Anybody heard that song? I got the lyrics and I put them in my notes. Here they are. I love these words. He says, I know how hopeless feels when you're staring at the bottom of an empty hole. In my life, I know how forgotten feels, wondering if the world even knows who you are. But I've never known anything, felt anything like the love of Jesus. And it's hard to describe what's happening inside, but right now, all I know is it feels like redemption raining down on me. It feels like forgiveness has come to set me free. All my chains have been lifted because when, when my the hands of love touch a broken life, it feels like redemption. Now I know how thankful feels because I am overwhelmed by this gift of grace. And I know how healing feels because all my pain and all my shame and all my tears have been erased. It feels like redemption raining down on me. It feels like forgiveness has come to set me free. All my chains have been lifted because when the hand of love touches a broken life, it feels like redemption. Can I tell you, it takes more than a good attitude to change your life. It takes more than positive thinking to turn your life around. It takes more than a raise on the job to make life better. It takes the power of God to transform you. It takes redemption. It takes more than just a feel-good speech by a preacher once a week. You've got to tap into the power of God in your life. And today, if you don't get anything else from this sermon, I want you to get this. No matter how hard things might be for you this Thanksgiving season, no matter how hard it might be to try to find something you can be thankful for, no matter how difficult a season you might find yourself in right now, this one thing I know, if you are a child of a king, you can be thankful, amen? Because you've been redeemed. The fourth kernel, Psalm chapter 103, verse 4. He redeemed your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The kernel of love and compassion. See, crowning us means he puts on us, he places on us, he bestows on us. He blesses us with his love and compassion. 
See, I could preach forever about how thankful we can be because of his love and compassion. This flow of love and compassion, though, understand, I understand that it flows into us, but it also allows it to flow out of us. People who are recipients of love and compassion should be distributors of love and compassion. Amen. So we recognize and we appreciate the love and compassion that God extends toward us, but we got to do the same for others. And hear me, not just at Thanksgiving and Christmas when it feels good and it's easy, but continually in our day-to-day living. Thanksgiving and Christmas, you can find a, a, a box to drop canned goods in everywhere you turn. Your job is probably collecting stuff. Your school is probably collecting stuff. Your church is probably collecting stuff. I just want to know, what do we do the other 10 months out of the year? Love and compassion. we got to pass on love and mercy to others. We help hurting people. We, we are patient with those who struggle. we got to be kind to our enemies. we got to be forgiving. we got to repay evil with good. We do those things because His love and compassion flows into us and then it flows out of us. And then the fifth and final kernel that I want to mention comes from verse 5. It says, He satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The kernel of satisfaction and renewal. I'd like our ushers to begin right now. They're going to begin to hand out the communion cups to everybody in the audience. The scripture says he satisfies the godly desires of his people with good things in this life. This reminds me of the words of Jesus given in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Look what it says, for they shall be satisfied. Hallelujah. See, there's a great paradox here. We're satisfied, but we're never really satisfied. I love a good meal. And we all have some special foods or desserts that we enjoy. I'm sure you could tell me what yours is. I love Paula Dean banana pudding. Love the stuff. I started thinking about it yesterday. Then I thought, oh, my Lord, I've probably waited too long to go out and buy the good cookies. They're probably already gone. Jesus wept. Probably all gone. Some of you got a special dish you love. You got a special drink that you like at Starbucks. You got... You got a special meal that you enjoy. And you know what? We're satisfied when we have some of it, right? We eat until we're full, but guess what? We always want more. Because what we enjoy, we want to enjoy again and again. It's the same way with righteousness. We are filled and it is so good and full, but we want more. When we seek God's righteousness, He grants it. The Bible says He gives us satisfaction. And goodness, Psalm 107 and verse 9 says this, He satisfies the longing soul and He fills the hungry soul with goodness. It's only the favor and grace of God that can give true satisfaction and goodness to the soul. I'd like to ask the praise team and the prayer team to come on up. Verse 5 also says that He renews us. Our youth is renewed. Like the eagles, my dad. My dad is a big fan of eagles. He's got all kinds of little eagle statues and and uh, paintings and puzzles in the house. The eagle is one of the strongest, most fearless, and majestic of all birds. You may not know this about an eagle, though. At about five years of age, the eagle begins going through a molting process, and it loses most of its feathers, and they're replaced with brand new feathers. And during that molting process, the eagle looks very sickly and very 
very weak. But as that process completes, the eagle begins to look and feel renewed with strength and, and energy. And as the eagle goes through the different stages of life, God continually provides renewal. And I want you to understand something here today on this Thanksgiving day. Why don't you stand with me? Life really is a series of seasons. If you live long enough, you'll figure that out. Go ahead, Joel, start playing. Seasons of abundance, seasons of scarcity. Seasons of joy, seasons of loss. There are seasons of ease, there are seasons of difficulty. But you know what's beautiful about serving the Lord is something we can be so thankful for is that He renews us and sustains us through every season. You live long enough and you serve Him long enough, you understand no matter how low it gets, no matter how dark it gets, He's still there. No matter how good it is, no matter how high the high marks are, He's still there. He's there. We can be so thankful for this. I've already told you we can be thankful because no matter how much we, we struggle, we're, we're in the top 1% of the world laying the material side apart we can be so thankful because we're children of God see the result of living a fulfilled satisfied spiritual life is that we are constantly being renewed and refreshed and revived no wonder when the psalmist said bless the Lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name so as this service comes to a close today and as we approach Thanksgiving this week, I want us to bring our focus to verse 2 of Psalm 103. And we're going to have an altar call of receiving communion today. I'd like to ask me if you're willing to. We're not going to do anything to you. We're, I'd like to ask you, if you don't mind, to take your cup and step out from where you are and join us. And we'll just gather around this front today to receive communion together. We're going to specifically express our thanks to God this day. And of course, if you're a guest, you're welcome to join us. We would encourage you. We would love for you to join us. We take communion once. Just step up forward, if you will, so everybody can come. We take communion once a month on our first Wednesday prayer. But today's a special day of communion in regard to Thanksgiving. We like to take communion around Thanksgiving just because I want us to be reminded of what is the most important thing we can be thankful for. Amen. I want you to notice our text again, Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. And notice, forget not all his benefits the entire purpose of thanksgiving can be found in verse 2 forget not his benefits the new living translation said it like this may i never forget the good things he does for me the message said it this way bless god and don't forget a single blessing In order to 
return our praises to God, there must be a grateful remembrance of the mercies we've received from Him. And you know what I've learned? Anything that you don't give thanks for, eventually you forget or you fail to appreciate. Anything that you don't give thanks for, you start taking it for granted. You don't really appreciate it like we should. So today we're going to do what communion says we take communion for, in remembrance of Him and all of His blessings. Amen? See, it's going to be a little different today, but I want us to take it while we remember the five kernels. Take the cup in your hand and open it, if you will, please. Take the wafer out. give you an extra minute if you're struggling because these things ain't easy to open. <laughs> I want to read our text to you one more time. Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I want us to pray together. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sins. Thank you, Lord, for healing my diseases. Thank you for redeeming me not only from hell, but from hell on earth. Thank you for crowning me with love and compassion. Thank you for satisfying and blessing my life with good things. Thank you for renewing me like the eagle in all of the different seasons of my life. Thank you for being there. I'm so thankful and grateful. I'd like to ask you to please take the bread in your hands. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Please take the cup in your hands. In the same way, verse 25, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Why are we doing this? Verse 26 says, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That's yes, thank you. Thank you that I understand what you did for me at Calvary. Thank you for the broken body and the blood that was shed for me. Lord, no matter what I have or don't have, no matter the good or the bad seasons of life, God, this Thanksgiving, I am reminded of what you did on Calvary's Hill. 
This Thanksgiving, I'm reminded, God, of what you did for me by the shedding of your blood. Thank you for redeeming my soul. Thank you for redeeming my soul. And as the worship team begins to sing right now, I want you to just lift your hands and let's just enjoy a moment in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I've been changed. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Here, free. That's why I'm thankful. Yes. Delivered. Hallelujah. I found joy. Yes, I have. I'm so thankful for it. Peace. Grace.
presence came and changed me. And Father, this week, I just pray that we're reminded of the blessings that we have in our lives. I pray this week, God, that we recognize that every trial and every obstacle that we have, that you're going to see us through. You're going to be with us. God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful that you redeemed us. We're so thankful that you found us. And God, I don't want to sound selfish by saying this, but God, I, I'm thankful that I live in a land of abundance and freedom. Of all the people in the world, God, you let me be born here. We've got our problems in this country, but God, I'm so thankful that I do live in the land of the free, the home of the brave. I'm thankful that we're blessed in this nation. Help us, God, to never lose our God focus. And help us, God, to get back what we have lost. Help us to be a nation of people that glorify you and recognize you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, you don't have to do this. I've never done it, but I'm doing it this Thursday. But if you decide to do this, I want you to tell me how it goes. This Thursday, we're going to start out with five kernels of corn on every plate at my house. And we're going to share five things that God has done for us that we're thankful for. I want to remember how blessed I am. And if you do that, I want you to share with me how it goes at your house. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see you in your small group. If not, I'll see you next Sunday. Have a great day. Have a great week in the house of the Lord.